Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, in parts one to four of the stages being set, we address some of the many prophetic precursors that are preparing the world for the entrance of the Antichrist and his global reign that will enslave every person on earth who has been left behind after the rapture of God's legitimate and blood-bought church. We covered such things as global tracking, quantum dot computing, quantum dot vaccines, the arrival of five red heifers in Jerusalem, which are needed for sacrifices to begin, and which signals the soon rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem, or at least a tent-like structure like the one that was erected by Moses, and which would be used until the third temple is constructed the global brain, and the investigation into the mindset and actions of Klaus Schwab, founder and executive chairman of the World Economic Forum, and Yuval Noah Harari, the WEF's chief advisor, two of Lucifer's agents of darkness who are working feverishly to bring to completion their global reset agenda and their transhumanism goals, which will be an integral part of the re-engineering of humanity. We also learned that the technological and scientific advancements that are now in place, and which are rapidly evolving, make it certain that we are truly in the last prophetic minutes on God's end times calendar, and that now is the time to pay even stricter attention to the Holy Spirit as He leads us into all truth. And with that sacred exhortation to motivate us, in part five of our study, we are going to begin to address what I believe is the most critical component to those things that are setting the stage for the Antichrist global reign and the world's worship, which has been Lucifer's rebellious and pride-filled goal from the beginning. It is the one world religion and she is already dressed in her nuptial array to serve the man of lawlessness as his darkened and adulterous bride. But before we look behind the veil of deception that is cloaking the true agenda held behind such religious outreaches as ecumenism and the interfaith movement, the first reality that we must address is that the Lord God, the one and only true God, who is the creator of the universe and all that it holds here and beyond, is not moved by religion. He is interested only in redeeming mankind from the grip of sin's death and bringing them back to himself in reconciliation-oneness relationship. Through the blood of his beloved Son, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Genuine salvation is not merely a decision. It is a miracle that transforms the sin-deadened spirit of a man or woman who has believed with all their heart, sincerely repented of their sins and unbelief, and surrendered fully to the Lordship of Jesus the Savior 
having put their full confidence in his perfect and sinless blood atonement sacrifice that he offered up on their behalf. At the moment, the Father judges their repentance to be genuine. His power ignites within them, and in majestic Shekinah glory, resurrection power. Their spirit man is brought back to life and restored to the pre-fall condition of oneness with the Creator that Adam and Eve enjoyed before they sinned and were separated from the God of love. The definition of Shekinah means dwelling and denotes the presence of God in a place, and it is critical to the understanding of what it really means to be born again unto eternal life in reconciliation oneness with the Father. A little later in the study, we will be expounding on the miracle of salvation's redeeming power and God's presence that now envelops a true believer's inner being because his people need to take a stronger stand on these divine realities as the battle grows more fierce and the attacks become more violent. We will also be addressing how complacency and worldliness are diminishing the church's effectiveness and in many cases is leading to the apostasy that will also be a major component to the formation of the Antichrist one-world religion. But as a foundation, we are going to look to God's Word, where the religious harlot, who will serve the Antichrist in his goal to gain the world's worship, is revealed to John, and through him, to us, in vivid and dramatic detail. In Revelation chapter 17 and verses 1 to 5, it is written, And one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I shall show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed acts of immorality, and those who dwell on the earth were made drunk with the wine of her immorality. And he carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, full of blasphemous names, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was clothed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a gold cup full of abominations and of the unclean things of her immorality. And upon her forehead a name was written, a mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. In the original transcripts of that passage, the description of this adulterous woman is written in all capitals, with the intention of drawing attention to her power and demonic persuasions, which are orchestrated with the most evil and antichrist intentions. As we follow the clues Scripture offers in revelation of her identity and yield our understanding to the Holy Spirit's enlightenment in truth, it will become evident that there is only one possible entity that fits her description, and that is Roman Catholicism, or more succinctly, the Roman Catholic Church, and the powerful empire that enthrones her, namely Vatican City. The word Catholic is defined as universal, and surely this adulterous counterfeit to genuine Christianity has always had her intention to rule over the entire world and beyond. She is called the Mother of Harlots, 
which, by the way, the Catholic Church refers to herself as the Holy Mother Church, because she has many children who, like her, are religious fornicators. These wayward offspring, many of which we will also address in the study, are doing the bidding of their master Lucifer, and will come back into her when their assignments have been completed, and the one-world religion is ready to be fully implemented. This revelation, in truth, is critical for the people of God to take to heart, for many in the evangelical arm of Christianity have yoked themselves with this fallen woman and are embracing her as one of their own, making them unwitting co-conspirators in her Antichrist endeavors. To underscore the validity held within the evidence that will be offered as we continue on in our summation of Roman Catholicism as the harlot of Revelation 17, allow me to glean from Chapter 6 of Dave Hunt's book entitled, A Woman Rides the Beast. Dave is now with the Lord, but the Holy Spirit insight that he left behind for us in this very excellent and documented writing will give credence to the legitimacy of the revealing insight that exposes Roman Catholicism as the adulterous harlot of Revelation 17. He writes, Virtually all attention these days is focused on the coming Antichrist, but he is only half of the story. Many are amazed to discover in Revelation 17 that there is also another mysterious character in the heart of prophecy, a woman who rides the beast. That woman is a city built on seven hills that range over the kings of the earth. John immediately equates the reader's acceptance of this revelation with wisdom. Therefore, we dare not pass over such a disclosure casually for it merits our careful and prayerful attention. Here is no mystical or allegorical language, but an unambiguous or explicit statement in plain words. The woman is that great city. There is no justification for seeking some other hidden meaning. Yet books have been written and sermons preached insisting that Mystery Babylon is the United States. That is clearly not the case, for the United States, for one, is a country, not a city. One might justifiably refer to the United States as Sodom, considering the honor now given to homosexuals and every other perversion that encompasses it, but it is definitely not the Babylon that John sees in this vision. The woman is a city. Furthermore, she is a city built on seven hills. That specification eliminates ancient Babylon. Only one city has, for more than 2,000 years, been known as the city on seven hills, and that is the city of Rome. The Catholic Encyclopedia states, It is within the city of Rome, called the City of Seven Hills, that the entire area of Vatican State proper is now confined. End quote. There are, of course, other cities, such as Rio de Janeiro, that were also built on seven hills. Therefore, John provides at least seven more characteristics to limit the identification to Rome alone. 
We will examine each one in detail in subsequent chapters. However, as a preview of where we are going, we will list them now and discuss each one briefly. As we shall see, there is only one city on the earth which, in both historical and contemporary perspectives, passes every test John gives, including its identification as Mystery Babylon. That city is Rome, and more specifically, Vatican City. Even Catholic apologist Carl Keating admits that Rome has long been known as Babylon. He claims that Peter's statement in 1 Peter 5.13, where the apostle says, The church here in Babylon send you her greeting, proves that Peter was writing from Rome. He explains further, Babylon is a code word for Rome. It is used that way six times in the last book of the Bible. Four of the six are in chapters 17 and 18, and in extra-biblical works such as sibling oracles, the Apocalypse of Baruch, and for Esdras. Eusebius Pamphilius, writing about 303, noted that it is said that Peter's first epistle was composed at Rome itself, and that he himself indicates this referring to the city figuratively as Babylon, end quote. And this is where we must pause for today, beloved. We have much more to cover in this very important revelation in truth, so I pray you'll join me next time. Until then, I leave you with the words of Jesus in John eight thirty-one to 32 If you abide in my word, you are truly disciples of mine and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And, as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006 or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.